as I continue to grow in my own faith, I realize more and more how countercultural the gospel is and how I myself need to continually adjust my way of thinking so that I'm thinking like Jesus and not thinking like the world does. So we have a great example uh, of this difference between the way the world thinks and the way that Jesus thinks in our second reading today, which is from uh, the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians from chapter 7, one of my favorite chapters actually in Paul's writings. There Paul, Paul talks about marriage and celibacy. And he says something, first of all, about marriage in this chapter that we might find countercultural. Earlier in the chapter, he calls marriage a call from God and a charism. And this isn't always the way that we think about marriage. Sometimes we think about marriage as just a natural reality, something that is just what people do. But actually, Jesus instituted marriage as a sacrament, and St. Paul says that God calls particular people to marriage, and that when he calls someone to marriage, he chooses a spouse for them, and he gives them particular graces that they'll need to be able to thrive in that vocation. So we don't always think about marriage as that, in that way as a, as a call. So this is one of, the reason, one of the many reasons why we have to teach our young people to pray, uh, to instill in them a relationship with God so that as they're discerning their vocation, but especially as they're dating, they can be talking to God about this person that they're dating uh, and that, so that God can tell them if this is the right person or not. And if it's the right, not the right person, then they should break up. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people, young people, without a relationship with God, aren't discerning marriage. They're just kind of following this path that's set out before them. And, um, and I think that's part of the reason why within marriage so many people struggle, because it wasn't discerned properly in the first place. And that, that this other person wasn't discerned properly. Does God want me to marry this person? Is it this person to whom God is calling me to marry? So another countercultural thing that Jesus, that St. Paul talks about in this chapter is celibacy. Paul says that this too, the single life, being a celibate, is a special calling from God that requires a particular grace and charism that that person needs to be able to thrive in that vocation. And this too is countercultural. How many times have we looked at someone who's not married, who's single, and we think, oh, what a pity for that person. Or, oh, I feel so sorry for that person that they're not married. Sometimes someone will come up to me and say, not, not very often, but once in a while, someone will, will come up and say, I just feel so sorry for you. 
that you're not married. And I, I think, I, I don't say this, but I think you are crazy. <laughs> I, I could never live this life and be married at the same time. But this, is, this can be the way that we think. Even when I was a, a child, growing up in a Catholic family, going to Mass, I thought that you became a priest if you couldn't find somebody to marry you. That's what I thought. So I laugh at that now. I could have gotten married if I wanted to, honestly, but, um, but that wasn't what God was calling me to do. So it's interesting. Paul says marriage is a real vocation and a real charism, and God calls certain people to this vocation. But also Paul says that celibacy or the single life is also a special calling from God requiring a particular grace for that person. Paul says something earlier in this chapter that I think is very interesting. He says, I wish that everyone would be as I am. And what's he talking about? Well, in the context of that passage, he's talking about his being single, his being a celibate. He's saying, I wish that everybody was single or everybody was celibate. Now, we don't have to take this so far. I don't think that Paul wanted the species to end because there would be no marriage and therefore no reproduction. Paul saw marriage as a good, a necessary good, and a blessing from God. But Paul himself loved his celibate life. Paul himself found so much value and blessing and grace in his life as a single man, as a celibate, uh, that he wanted other people to be able to have that grace too. I can relate to Paul because I was vocation director for this diocese. I walked with people, young men and women who were discerning their vocation. I always wanted them to be called to the celibacy or specifically to the priesthood. And not because our diocese is so short of priests, not because, um, you know, we have, have this great need, but because I love my life and I want others to experience the joy that I experience as a priest. I experience it as such a gift. I want others to have that gift too. Why is Paul so biased towards his life as a celibate? which he clearly loves, why does he love it so much? I think we get a hint of that in today's second reading, because this is what he says about it. He says, An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. Then he says, an unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. A married woman, on the other hand, is anxious about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. 
So here we get an insight into why Paul is so biased towards this celibate single life. Is because in his experience, not having a wife allows him to be fully given to God and wholeheartedly given over to the service of God. Being able to, to be attentive to what God is asking him to do. He's obviously not saying that marriage is bad, but he's acknowledging a reality about marriage that people can find difficult. As a married person, you have obligations to God, but you also have obligations to your spouse and obligations to your children. And sometimes this can result in the feeling of this division inside of you. You have all of these, you have multiple loyalties going on at one time, and that can create a sense of conflict in a person. The unmarried person, although there are stresses and crosses in everybody's life, he's saying that an, unma- an unmarried person is more free to, do, to be about the things of the Lord. There's more freedom there. I remember um, when I, before I was, before I studied theology in the seminary, I was out of the seminary and I was teaching at a high school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And while I was down there, I ended up moving into my own apartment. And that was the first time I'd ever lived alone. I was in my early 20s. I was a little bit nervous to live alone. And uh, I was talking to a religious sister who was working at my school. And I was just sharing with her my anxieties about living alone. And she said, but Matthew, you're so lucky. Why, sister? Because, Matthew, now you get to be with Jesus all the time. I didn't really understand what she was talking about then, but I've continued to reflect on those words, how the person who lives a single celibate life has the opportunity to be with Jesus, to be with God all the time, to cultivate an awareness and attentiveness to God so that we might be with him always because we're more free of distractions. Now, for single people as well as married people, it's very easy for us to live a distracted life, to have the television always going on in the background, to be listening to podcasts or other things all the time, to be so attentive to our phone or social media, married people and single people. It's a lot of distractions in our life. But... For the person who lives alone, uh, for the person who's not married, there's more alone time and silent time in their life, gives an opportunity to be close to God, if, if they choose that. Honestly, that's probably what I love most about not having a wife, uh, about being called to the celibate life, is this abiding communion with God that I get to have. Now, I have that very imperfectly, and sometimes I distract myself from that. 
But this is what God desires uh, for, for us, is a, a loving relationship of communion. And uh, the single person has an opportunity, actually, to enter into a deeper way into this communion. I often think about this, actually, when someone loses their spouse and they become single, in a sense, maybe after having lived many, many years uh, with their spouse. Obviously, there's a great sadness there in that loss. Obviously, if you've lived for many years with, with your spouse, there can be a real sense of disorientation when that person dies. What do I do with myself? The house is so quiet now. There can be a, a great struggle there. But I also think that there can be a blessing there for that person too. That actually God's inviting them into a closer relationship with him. Uh, a more intentional life of prayer. A more intentional life of giving themselves to others. Helping those in need. Volunteering in different ways. So, so much for us to think about today as we read these very countercultural words of St. Paul, as we try to remember the gift that is marriage, the charism and grace that's required of it, the call that it is, but also that there's another beautiful call for people, uh, that God calls some people to remain single and to be celibate and to live a life of generosity, of service to the Lord, and intimate communion with him. Let's not feel sorry for the person who's called to that life. I'm so grateful to be called to that life. As a church, let's appreciate the diversity of charisms that he has given us so that together, all living our vocation, we can build up the body of Christ.